welcome to an all-new episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. And yes, that, that is correct. It is indeed Joe Mullinax in the flesh, or I guess in, in the voice here on the podcast here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. It's been a while. Uh, it's a busy time of year for me, strangely, in this pandemic uh, situation as we enter year two of the pandemic. Hopefully it's not a full year two, but uh, I have a football season in spring, which is very strange. Uh, I've never had that before, and I'm in the midst of it. Parker Fleming has done an admirable job in my absence, uh, but I'm back for this week at least, and I have a wonderful guest to join me on this episode of the show talking about Memphis Grizzlies basketball as we enter the second half of the 2020-2021 NBA season. Ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow us on uh, our blog, follow our blog, excuse me, the one that I am very fortunate to be the site manager of, uh, grizzlybearblues.com, at SBN Grizzlies. You can follow Parker, again, done a, ma- a masterful job in my absence, helping me run the blog and the podcast uh, while I'm away, at Paca underscore Flocka. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Joe Molinax, if you so choose. Um, most folks would probably tell you that is a poor choice to make, but it is certainly a choice that you can make. Uh, we have a lot to get to, so we're going to jump right into it. Hopefully, however you're listening to us, whether it's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, hopefully you are enjoying the work that's being done by our podcast network and all the guests that we have. This is one of the best ones, in my opinion, that we have on our podcast. When we get a chance to talk to him, he's one of the busiest guys out there. He has work for uh, Spotrack. He has work for the front office show, Celtics blog, Real GM, Yahoo Sports. Uh, the thing that caught my eye that I wanted to talk to him about was his trade primer that he put out. I am very excited to welcome Mr. Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA onto Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Keith, I'd like to think that I'm pretty busy right now, but I think you might have me beat. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for the time. <laughs> I'm doing well, man. But no, yeah, at least for me, it's family and basketball. I don't have the additional responsibility of uh, coaching football at the uh, complete wrong time of the year. Uh, and I, <laughs> and that is a that. fair point. I, I and, and people have said, how in the world are you doing this right now? I'm really not. If I'm being honest, I do like a, a piece or two a week of game coverage. And I, I like I said, this is the first time I've hosted the podcast in a while. Um, so right now I'm not really. <laughs> Uh, doing all that much with the blog, I- I've never had to do both at the same time, you know, because football is obviously m- part of my day job as a teacher and I'm the head football coach. So when I got this job, it was you know, obviously intertwined. Um, I- I've never had to do both football and basketball at the same time. So it's kind of kicking my butt, but <laughs> at the same time, um, you know, I- I've always tried to find that balance and, you know, I have three kids at home and a wife who hasn't divorced me yet for some reason, but um, nobody cares about that. People care about the Memphis Grizzlies and we can <laughs> jump right into that. And, and Keith, I want to get your overall take on the Grizzlies. And again, I want to shout out your piece that you did. And I always feel like I mispronounced this spot track or spot track spot, spot track. Okay. So you say the yep. T twice. Thank you. Um, you did an awesome job breaking down all 30 teams, you know, players that you think are available. You know, you are very tuned in with a lot of sources around the NBA, uh, players that you think aren't available. Um, I would recommend it. It's an NBA trade deadline primer for spot track. Make sure you're checking that out again by our buddy here, our guest on this episode of GBB live Keith Smith. 
And obviously this is a Memphis Grizzlies podcast. So before we talk about what you currently reference for the Grizzlies, I do want to get your take on whether or not you think they are a buyer or a seller. Cause this is something that is debated hotly on Grizzlies Twitter. There, there's an outlying faction, Keith, that insists that the Grizzlies are tanking, which to me, if that is true, <laughs> they're, they're doing a terrible job. of yes. it. And it's usually centered around the idea of Jaron Jackson jr. And his injury, which I'll, I'll ask you about. Maybe you have some information uh, that the local folks haven't been able to gather. I have a general idea from, uh, conversations with people, and again, folks that are more source than me uh, have heard similar things. Um, but when it comes to Jaron, I'm curious as to what you've heard. You have him as not available for the Memphis Grizzlies, which makes sense. Um, but it, it's kind of a two-parter here to start off, Keith. Uh, one, Jaron Jackson Jr., what have you heard about him? And two, again, the Grizzlies aren't tanking, because again, if they were, they were they're awful at it. Uh, but they are in that weird in-between where they're in the play-in mix for sure in the Western Conference. Like, that's undisputed. They could do nothing at the trade deadline, and they're in the play-in mix. That's what they're in right now. In theory, they could be buyers, and they could move up into the playoff, you know, soundly being in that top six or seven mix. I think that's possible for them. They could also theoretically sell and, and kind of fall out of the play-in mix possibly, but they could add assets there. They're in this place where they're able to do a lot of different things because of their cap flexibility in the long run, because of the type of contracts they have. They can do pretty much whatever they want. So do you see Memphis as a buyer, as a seller? In your piece, you say that you expect them to be active, but they won't make a move just to make one. Is, is that as both a buyer and as a seller? Or is it really one of those things where they're just going to look to see what's best for them, regardless of what category it may place them in? Yeah. And so to answer the first part about Jaron Jackson Jr., um, everything I've heard just in general is they view him and John Morant. That is their their kind of duo that they're building around. Those are the key building blocks for them. Jackson, in any conversations with anyone from the team and just folks around the league as well, everybody views him as he's kind of a unique guy because of his size and shooting ability. Um, they, there's a belief that there's still another level for him to go as a defender um where where he can you know really uh, um pick up his game on that end he's already good but there's a belief that he can get even better there and then because you know they're both clearly on rookie scale deals for a couple more years um that's you know easier to say you know the, these are our guys and we're moving forward um around these two players as far as his injury all i've been told is i'm with you they're not tanking or like you said they're really really bad at it um it's just being cautious. It's it's a sense of we kind of know what we are as a team. It's we're, we're in the play in. We're probably not getting a six into one of the assured playoff spots. We've already won too much to drop too far in the standings without it being absolutely egregious. And they're not going to do that. So I think the feeling is well, let's just be cautious. We've gotten by this far without without uh, Jaron Jackson. So let's make sure where when he's back, he is fully ready to go. Now, that also leads into their mindset at the trade deadline. Um, my sense in talking to folks with the Grizzlies, folks that have talked with the Grizzlies is they'll make a move, but they're not they're they're not in a position where they're gonna do any kind of all-in thing and start trading away, you know, two, three of their you know, long-term guys and guys who are part of their 
secondary cores, what I like to call it, on the roster to go, you know, add a superstar or anything like that. Um, they are more in a spot right now where it feels like, all right, we will we'll be active. They've, they've been dangling the uh, Gorgie Jang expiring contract out there to see, you know, what we can do. They would prefer to avoid paying the luxury tax. They've only got about 1.4 or 1.3, 1.4 million or so under the tax. So they, they really don't want to dip into that um, if they can avoid it. But if they can use Jang's contract to get them something that's helpful and will aid in their playoff push this year, they'll absolutely do that. They're just not going to you know start putting together Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson and Desmond Bain in packages to go get somebody. that That's just not the position they're in right now. I think it's more likely you see them use the rest of this season whatever comes out of the play-in maybe the playoffs see what that becomes and then from there they will then you know reevaluate and see i think this coming off season has a chance to be one that has a lot more moving parts and they start to kind of gear up for what should be um, a sustainable uh playoff appearance uh run for them going forward around the young guys supplemented by some key veterans moving forward and that's something that I've heard, too, in terms of them, really, if you want to see them making a ground-shaking move, that's probably going to be over the offseason. And, you know, Bobby Marks of ESPN has even alluded to that in Bradley Beal conversations from him, not necessarily like there's been talks between the Grizzlies and the Wizards. Uh, the teams that are mentioned are the, are the Warriors, the Nuggets, and the Grizzlies when it mm-hmm. comes to Bradley Beal. So, and I think part of that is the flexibility they'll have the types of contracts they'll have, the assets they have pick-wise. I think there's teams that can offer more for Beal, uh, Denver being a good example of that. But at the same time, I think Memphis, just because of the place they've put themselves, given their assets, given their contract accumulation, and the types of contracts they've signed, uh, they, they're in a spot. If any star player is available heading into this offseason, it makes total sense that Memphis would be a, a possible partner. And Memphis makes sense as a team at the deadline, maybe as a third team. You mentioned Gorgie Dang's large expiring contract. Gorgie Dang is the highest paid player on the Memphis Grizzlies this season, which is hilarious when you think about it, but it's yeah. true. <laughs> and and the, the fact that they are in that spot uh, puts them in, in a very nice – they don't have to do anything if they don't want to. They can truly pick and choose their spots, and that's what you want uh, from your, the organization that you're a fan of or that you cover. Uh, we're talking with Keith Smith. Again, I can't stress enough. If you don't already follow him at Keith Smith NBA, he's one of the very best out there covering this league. He does all sorts of bylines, all sorts of shows, and he's joining us here on GBB Live, and I'm very appreciative of that. And he, uh, the piece that we're talking about in particular is for Spot Track. We're talking about his trade deadline primer, and we're just going to go down the list here uh, on the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll start with your players that are not available, and two of them are not that surprising. John Morant, of course, not available. He's the franchise cornerstone. You just mentioned how Jaron Jackson Jr. is also perceived as that, and that makes total sense. Those two guys are pretty talented. The third name that you have is somewhat surprising, potentially. And the reason why I say potentially is I'm guessing you've had conversations with folks. I've had conversations with folks that back this up. You have Brandon Clark is not available, essentially an untouchable for the Memphis Grizzlies. I didn't necessarily think that was the case. And I talked about that on social media a couple of times. But then I had people reach out to me and say, uh, actually, that is uh, he, he is untouchable. That is somebody that the Grizzlies do not want to move on from, at least not right now. Again, that might shock some of our listeners, 
he is extremely talented. He obviously has had a major resurgence from his start to the season when he come back, came back from injury, missed a lot of training camp. He looks to be more himself now than he was, say, two months ago. But putting him in that not available category, like I said, I agree with you from what I've heard. What about Clark in particular makes him somebody that the Grizzlies are specifically saying, no, he is not on the table? Yeah, in, in he was kind of in that borderline between not available and available in the right trade. Um, and, and I want to clarify one thing because a couple people have asked, and I probably could have done a better job of clarifying it. There are very few players in the entire NBA who are truly not available, right? I mean, it's, I always kind of use LeBron James as the example. If, if the Lakers called up and offered LeBron for John Morant, they, the Grizzlies, of course, would probably say yes, right? It's just, it's LeBron, right? I mean, you're 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 crazy, but it, it's more of a in general. If you're just calling and saying, "Hey, what about Ja?" They're kind of saying, "No, it's not. Let's move on and you know, and let let's end this conversation quickly with that." So, and that's where Brandon Clark is falling. It's not it's not uh, it's not as quick as Ja. It's not as quick as Jaron Jackson, but it is it it's on that level. And the the reasons for that is one. After this season, they've still got two more years of team control on the rookie scale deal. He matches up with John Morant um, there, and that's a big part of it. And they see him as whether he starts, he comes off the bench. He is essentially he, he's become like a sixth starter for them, where he's going to play his you know twenty five to thirty minutes a night, no matter what. Um, doesn't matter if he starts or comes off the bench. Those those things are you know kind of almost irrelevant in his ability to play defense, his ability to um, be kind of bouncy. Uh, he's shown a lot more switchability this year, I think, which is a really good sign for him moving forward. Um, jump shot hasn't been great. Uh, you know, that's still a work in progress. But the good thing is his form shows promise. When you just put it all together, looking at – his fit with this team, you really get the sense of this guy is really important to what they want to do. And that's why they're not uh, looking at any point to say, all right, yeah, you know, we view him um, closer to the Jackson Morant uh, level than we do the Kyle Anderson, um, you know, Desmond Bain level, Dylan Brooks, the guys who, yeah, we, we're not looking to move them, but, but we would move them if we, if, if the right deal came around it would have to be the really, really right deal for them to move on from Brandon Clark. Something along the lines of like a Bradley Beal, that type yeah, of exactly. player yeah. would, would be the need. And as we've discussed already, that's probably not happening, at least not this season, maybe in the off season, that type of move could be possible. So that makes total sense. Uh, so you have Jaron, Jaw, and Brandon not available. And like I said, everything I've heard uh, lines up with that. The players that you do have available, there's another bit of a surprise there, at least to me it is, and, and it's interesting. I'm curious as to what you've heard on the matter. You have Jonte Porter, which, yeah, that makes sense. You have John Conchar, who the, the Jitty group are, will be upset about that. <laughs> they like to stay Jitty with John, but that also makes sense. Uh, Gorgie Yang, we mentioned him earlier as a potential trade piece. The New York Knicks have been rumored or at least speculated to be uh, a team that could definitely make sense with with Jang. Uh, maybe the Washington Wizards could make sense. It looks like they could use some help at center. Uh, but then the fourth name that you have listed, and again, this is over at Spot Track, uh, Keith Smith's NBA trade deadline primer. You have Grayson Allen, 
And the reason that that surprises me is not because I disagree with it, because to me, looking at that wing depth, which we'll talk more about in the second segment, that makes total sense. I would prioritize a DeAnthony Melton. I would prioritize a Desmond Bain ahead of Grayson. Taylor Jenkins clearly does not feel that way. When Grayson Allen is healthy, he has openly chosen Grayson Allen over Desmond Bain and DeAnthony Melton to the point where DeAnthony Melton at times has been a did-not-play coach's decision mm-hmm. when he stuck with his 10-man rotation. They talk so much, Zach Kleiman, the Grizzlies' front office, about being in lockstep with their coaching staff. I'm interested in your perspective. Is Grayson Allen going to be a test of that? Because I feel like the contract they signed DeAnthony Melton to is very tradable, but it also is on a 22-year-old, who I believe is younger than Grayson Allen, who has a skill set that, has a higher ceiling than Grayson Allen. Desmond Bain is an elite three-point shooter already as a rookie, and his game has grown considerably even in this season. I see Grayson Allen as the lowest ceilinged player of all of these guys. To me, it makes sense that he would be on the trade market. It makes sense that the Grizzlies front office would dangle him as an, a, a talented player. I don't want to disrespect Grayson. He's had a very good season. You take Grayson Allen, you take Gorgie Jang, maybe a first-round pick or two, see if Zach Levine is available, for example. He's probably not, but that's just an idea. Um, The contracts would match. You know, that type of thing as a pairing, that doesn't line up with Taylor Jenkins' rotations, though. So is Grayson Allen going to be that first test of that lockstep mentality between the Grizzlies' front office and coaching staff? Yeah, I think there's a good chance. And they, and it's not that they're out there. It's it's pretty well known, I think, around the league that they are very open uh, to talking Gorgie Jang, right? So the, the, this is where they're in the same category, but very different situations. They, they're dangling Jang out there to see what they could get. Allen's not necessarily being shopped by any means, but it's more of a, if you call, it's it's a all right, you know, well, what are you thinking? More of a conversation. Whereas the other guys, it's it's probably, all right, this has to be part of a bigger trade, really get us something we need. And there's a couple reasons that that Allen sits in that spot. One is, is and you touched on a little bit, his age. He, he's uh, 25 or will be, uh, yeah, he's 25 now. He'll be 26 in October. He is two and a half years older than DeAnthony Melton. So same that, age as Dylan yo, Brooks, I believe, at least close to the same age as Dylan Brooks for perspective for uh, our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. He's actually a little older than uh than Dylan Brooks. Right. Uh but by by a few months um there. So yeah, so that that is that's one part of it there. The other part is he does have a couple years this year and another year on the rookie scale. Um, so that's part of why they're not exactly looking to you know move him. Um, but the the other sense I'm getting is Memphis sees that position is starting to get just a little bit overloaded because you have Dylan Brooks, who still plays some at the two. You have Desmond Bain, who is you know probably more of a, a pure two than he is anything else. And then Melton, he's been a weird kind of fit because he can play some combo guard-ish. Um but he's probably still more of a two um, there because in the other pieces or you have Tyus Jones behind John Moran, and there's not exactly a lot of minutes available behind Ja to play. So that's where Melton's ability to play two positions a little bit more so than, than Allen can 
as him more valuable. In addition, he signed now long-term to a very good contract. Um, It's a declining contract. It ends with uh, a very small partial guarantee in its final season. Whereas Allen, you are this off season, this summer, he's due for a contract extension. Now you can just let that play out and go into restricted free agency. Of course, he's probably not going to be a priority restricted free agent for anybody. He just hasn't shown that level of ability, but, but you add all those things up. There's just a lot more uncertainty with Grayson Allen in terms of role, in terms of where he is on the depth chart and then a future contract being due that that's why he's far more available than a guy like Melton or a guy like Brooks or Bain. Makes total sense to me. And I've written about this. One of the reasons that Taylor Jenkins loves Grayson Allen so much is Grayson Allen does what Taylor Jenkins wants him to do. He defends without fouling and he shoots a ton of three point shots. And Grayson has done it at a very efficient clip this season. I believe he's around 40% shooting the three on a lot of attempts. So he's basically doing what Jay Crowder did last season at a much better level than Jay Crowder did it. And that's, I mean, Jay Crowder played a ton of minutes despite shooting 29% from three. Uh, The fact that Grayson is at a spot where he is playing the way that Jenkins wants him to, that allows for you to, as a coach, count on him. You don't always get that from Melton. You don't always get that from Bain. You definitely don't always get that from Dylan Brooks. And I think that's one of the reasons that he relies on so heavily what Grayson is capable of. But I agree with you. I think Grayson Yang, that that could potentially, maybe it brings in an Evan Fournier type. Maybe that brings in somebody of that ilk from the Magic or some other team. Um, Maybe you make salaries match for a Doug McDermott, who I know Zach uh, Lowe of ESPN has said, you know, McDermott would make sense in Memphis, which I would love, Dougie McGrizzly. I've been on that boat since (laughs) McDermott was was a draft eligible player. Um, but I, I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. I agree with your take on who should be available. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Keith Smith. We'll take a look at who's available in the right trade. We'll talk about our GBB live question of the day, and we'll get into this playoff slash play in run with Memphis, how he sees the wing rotation shaking out all that and more. Don't go anywhere. Come back with Keith Smith on GBB live. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Your ears are not deceiving you. It is indeed Joe Molinax uh, for, for the first time in a long time. Excited to be talking basketball, Grizzlies basketball in particular, with one of the very best out there, Keith Smith NBA. He has all sorts of bylines on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Um, he wrote a great piece, uh, Trade Deadline Primer for Spot Track. Make sure you're checking it out there. The Memphis Grizzlies obviously are our focus on this episode of the show, and we're going to move on down the list here, Keith to available in the right trade. And you have everybody essentially that isn't the guys that we've already discussed in the first segment uh, from Kyle Anderson to justice Winslow and everybody in between. And as you mentioned in the first segment, just because it says they're available in the right trade, doesn't mean that Memphis is definitely going to deal. It might take a heck of a lot more, for for example, to get Jonas Valanciunas and justice Winslow than it would to get Xavier Tillman or, you know, even a Desmond Bain, even though he's doing really well for Memphis, you know, obviously veterans that are, clearly playing at a higher level would come with a higher price tag. Uh, But that ties into our question of the day. And I'm curious as to your take on the answer that our folks came up with on the question of the day. The question of the day was, and thanks to the over 215 people that voted in the poll, uh, which of the following players is, in your opinion, the most untouchable in any hypothetical trade involving the Memphis Grizzlies? The person who won the poll by a landslide 
was the gentleman that we talked about in the first segment, Brandon Clark, which makes total sense. I'm on board with that. The person who finished in second place, the other options were Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, and Jonas Valanciunas. The person who finished in second, and maybe it shouldn't surprise me because he just hung essentially a 30-20 almost on the Washington Wizards' heads, uh, literally on their heads. Poor Mo Wagner, or Wagner, excuse me, uh, got dunked on on Thursday, on Wednesday night, excuse me. Jonas Valanciunas, uh, according to our voters, is the number two most untouchable in any hypothetical trade involving the Grizzlies. And that fascinates me, Keith, because as you mentioned in the first segment, whether Brandon Clark is a starter or a sixth man, they clearly value him. But Jaron Jackson Jr. is eventually going to return. And Jonas has one more year left on his contract. Extremely team-friendly deal. Is he a part of this team more long-term than we realize? Because obviously with that expiring deal, he seems to be somebody that would really be attractive in a trade. But at the same time, he's playing so well, and he does something so well in rebounding in particular that Memphis struggles with beyond him. Maybe it doesn't take, make a ton of sense for them to move on with him. Maybe it makes more sense for them to re-sign him at this stage than trade him. And that's not something that I would have thought going into this season. Yeah, and, and I'm with you there as well. I, I thought that there was an opportunity that they may move on from him entirely and just kind of piece it together at the center spot and, and figure it out as so many other teams are doing now where it is, you know, we're, we're not going to spend, you know, more than, you know, uh, 20 million total on you know three guys or something in, in that range uh, to piece together our center position unless it's a true you know Carl Anthony Towns uh, you know guy like that you know Joel Embiid you know one of those guys who's an All NBA level guy but I think what what what's getting probably mixed in here why fans are valuing him so highly is one is who else are you going to play at that spot right now if, if not him uh jackson's not not there right now uh gorgie jang you know maybe on his way out as well um and then i think valentunas has proven to be a you know kind of a stabilizing force for a young team he, he is one of the more consistent guys you know what you're gonna get night to night from him you're gonna get you know solid interior defense good rebounding and pretty good scoring and now that he's added the jump shot um to a semi-reliable level, I guess is the best way to put that. Um, that makes him a much more versatile scorer. So I think what you're looking at with, with him is that makes him a little bit harder to move. And that's why, you know, again, that's why he's in that, that level. It's not a, we're looking to trade him. It's more of a, okay, he can be a piece towards, you know, getting us somebody who's a clear upgrade and a big time player for us. Then that's the direction we, we should probably go here because I think what, what you see with a guy like, like Jonas Valanciunas, whether it be 15 million right now, 14 million next season, that's a nice number that you can put towards things. Combine that with the fact that he can actually play, which is a you know even better benefit in a trade. You start to see why that's a guy that could make a lot of sense in the right move um, versus you know uh, somebody like Jang, who at this point that's more of just a kind of expiring salary that you're moving there to give whoever's acquiring him more flexibility and those kind of things going forward. Uh, Valanciunas can actually play. So he's, he's much more of a positive asset in that, that respect. It's not just about the contract with him. And in Memphis's roster construction, they have John Tay Porter. They have Killian Tilly on a two-way deal. They have uh, Xavier Tillman on a long-term deal with a second round pick that they made. So it looks like they're trying to find a replacement for Jonas Valanciunas. And Jonas is just playing so well that they're not capable of doing that. That that philosophy of roster building that you mentioned, the 20 million tops that you're spending on that position, 
the Grizzlies look to at least somewhat to subscribe to that. And again, Jonas is on a tremendous deal, but he's just playing so well and doing so much for Memphis despite his flaws. He's not a three-point threat. He's not a terrific perimeter defender like a Jaron Jackson Jr. or even a Xavier Tillman is. But at the same time, he is doing what he does at such an elite level. It feels almost silly to say he's available in a trade, but he's also not going to be valued by opposition teams as he is by the Grizzlies, given the limitations of Memphis. So it's such an interesting guy to talk about, Valanciunas. I'm I'm blown away that he's played the way that he has. Maybe I shouldn't be, but I am in terms of just how elite he has been as a scorer and as a rebounder of the basketball. Uh, we're talking with Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. Again, he is everywhere. Uh, one of the hardest workers out there. We're talking about his spot track article on the NBA trade deadline. Make sure you're checking that out and make sure you're following him if you don't already do so. You list the other guys that I had in the question of the day poll, Desmond Bain, or not Desmond Bain, excuse me, Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton as available in the right trade. Just like you mentioned with Jonas Valanciunas, doesn't mean they're available. It means that the Grizzlies aren't automatically hanging up when the calls come through. I'm curious as to how you see this wing rotation shaking out, because even if you take Grayson Allen out of the equation, they're still fairly deep there. They have Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Justice Winslow, DeAnthony Melton. Um, there's lots of different ways that they can go at that spot. How do you think the Grizzlies are going to implement? Obviously having depth, Memphis has, is tied for the most games they have to play in the second half of the season. Having depth is valuable, how do you see it playing out in terms of starters, rotation? Who do you think gets prioritized as the season plays along on the wing for the Grizzlies, who are, again, shockingly deep there all of a sudden? Yeah, that's a great question because I think you hit on the key point there is with the 40 games in 68 days, or I guess they, they played last night, so 39 and 67 or whatever. It, it's just crazy. So you're going to need to really lean on guys. That always makes me nervous. Somebody's gonna, you know, roll an ankle, and and that may not be roll an ankle and miss a week. May not be missed two games. That may be missed, you know, four games or even five games with the way Memphis' schedule is stacked. So I think what you're gonna ultimately see with them is they're all gonna get a chance. I think um, I, I don't want to say they're locked into Brooks and Bain as the starters now, but they've been running with that group. For a little bit, I would expect that to continue. I think DeAnthony Melton's going to get his shot. Grayson Allen, we know we'll figure in there. And Justice Winslow, Kyle Anderson, they almost kind of become that, um, you know, swing 3-4 uh, pairing that, that we know they like. So, so someone will fall out. Uh, because when Jackson Jr. gets back, uh, that's going to probably slide Kyle Anderson down to play more at the three than he will at the four. Uh, maybe he even goes back to that bench role, which he you know, really kind of excelled in uh, for them at times. And that, that'll you know, make things a, a little bit interesting there. Does Jackson play more at the five? kind of behind Valanciunas? That wouldn't surprise me if that's at least the initial uh, plan. But yeah, it, it's it's a it's a good problem to have, and I'm, I'm making air quotes like you can see me, um, but it's a, uh, it's one of those situations where I think you'd rather have this kind of depth in this kind of weird, condensed, compact schedule with, than not have it, and, and that's fine for Taylor Jenkins. That may mean he has to have a couple tough conversations with guys some nights of, hey, you're not in the rotation tonight, you, you, you didn't play, but you know, hang in there with me, because I think it's one of those situations where everybody's time will come, just with the nature of the way things are going to run the rest of the year. 
Makes total sense. And that's an argument against sending out a Grayson Allen potentially or holding on to him uh, uh, until the right deal comes along. Gorgie Dang's already out of the rotation. Again, Jonte Porter is somebody they want to see more of. Killian Tilly is somebody that's younger. Dang just isn't in the long-term plans. But obviously, Grayson Allen, in theory, could be. And uh, th- that would make Gorgie a little more available than Grayson. We're finishing up here with Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. You're listening to GBB Live host Joe Molinax here with you, giving Parker Fleming a well-deserved day off all the work that he's put in for us while I go through my super weird spring football season. Uh, I appreciate everything that Parker is doing for us at GBB. Same thing with Brandon Abraham. I uh, had an opportunity to hop on with Keith here, and uh, it, it's been a great show. We'll get him out of here on this. He's a very busy man. Uh, you look at the lay of the Western Conference, obviously the Utah Jazz, the Lakers are the defending champions. They're struggling right now, but Anthony Davis will eventually return. The Clippers look like a different team. The Nuggets loom large. The Suns are playing tremendous basketball. It seems like there's six or so teams that are locked into that playoff mix. And then there is that next tier that is the play-in mix. The Grizzlies are firmly there. Do you see anything happening barring injury? Okay, uh, like you said, somebody can roll an angle. We've seen that with John Morant already. Uh, Memphis has had their share of injury woes, so it's, it's certainly possible that continues. But outside of anything catastrophic happening injury-wise, do you see anything happening for the Grizzlies either via trade or just in terms of regression, perhaps, that would remove them from the play-in conversation entirely? Or do you think we're going to head into the last week of the season with Memphis being somewhere in that seven to 10 or so range competing for a play-in spot? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think what you're looking at is I think the teams that are in the top six right now, Utah, Phoenix, both LA teams, Portland, and Denver are going to stick in the top six. Maybe Dallas can force their way in there. They're playing really good basketball right now. Um, But I think you're then looking at Memphis, Golden State, and San Antonio somewhere in that eight to 10. Um, yes, I don't think New Orleans is going to catch up. I don't think Oklahoma City really wants to. Uh, I think you're going to see them start moving off some of the veterans. Kings have slipped. Rockets are awful, and so are the Timberwolves. So you're not going to see those teams catch up from behind. So I, you know, I just don't think there's the ability for the upward mobility to crack into that top six. Now that Denver's playing better, and they're starting to create a, just a little bit of separation there. But for Memphis, right, they've got that experience. They were the first ever playing last year. Works a little differently. This year, um, with, with the way it's going to come together, they're right now in a position that has to win twice to get into the postseason. But I think that's what, where they're going to be. I, I think they'll hang in that, that uh, race all year long. It'll probably go all the way down to last week for who's, you know, 8, 9, 10, maybe 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, and that, that'll make a big difference because if you can get to 7 or 8, you only need to win once. Uh, versus having to win twice if you're nine or ten, and that's where you know I, I think it's going to be you know, um, them playing exciting games down the stretch. And the one worry that I do have is is the toll of the schedule. That and Spurs both have to play that you know insane amount of games. They still got 39 games left each. Um, is that going to 
uh, really take a toll on them where they're not going to be able to um, stay healthy enough. Because that's the window where, you know, New Orleans is what they did last year. It goes on a crazy run. Could they catch them from behind? That's the only sort of worry I have. I don't think that's going to happen. Do you think Memphis has a depth to get through that? So I, I think you're absolutely spot on with that. I think it's going to be a bunch, you know, you're going to stand and watching every single day. You're going to be looking to see where, where they are, and they're going to be in your playing and playing tournament uh, this year with more of a tournament than it was last year with just one game. Um, but I think that's what we're looking at. And when you're in the second year of a full-blown rebuild, which is exactly what the Memphis Grizzlies are, to be playing meaningful <laughs> yep. basketball late in the year when your best player is a 21-year-old point guard at a position where usually those guys are not playing at the level that John Morant is, you're in a very good spot. And uh, like we said, apparently the Grizzlies are really, really bad at tanking. Keith Smith, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the show. I really appreciate it. Again, I can't stress enough, folks, whether it's at Spotrack, whether it is at Celtics blog, uh, who continues to pilfer people from Grizzly Bear Blues, by the way. Um, <laughs> Jesse and, uh, and uh, Jack have both done great jobs for us over at GBB, and they continue that for Celtics blog. Um, real GM, he, he's all over the place. He's one of the hardest workers out there. And uh, he, he was gracious enough to take some time with us. Keith, thank you so much. Uh, continue the good work, continue success, and we'll have you back on down the road. Yeah, thank you for having me. And, and I feel this connection to, to Memphis. I just want to say this. It grew out of the Celtics having their pick. Um, I watched a lot of Grizzlies games and got really kind of connected to, to that team, much like I did with the Nets, uh, you know, several years ago, and then the Kings for a season. Um, so I, I wish nothing but the best to them and all the Grizzlies fans. Everybody there, you know, it's a, it's a really cool group of fans you guys have. I love how dedicated everybody is. So, you know, I, I really look forward to watching this team grow over the next couple of years. And you're absolutely right. If they're tanking, they're doing the worst possible job of it that I've ever seen in NBA history. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think they're they're walking that line as carefully as they can. I think that's fair to say they're not they're not married to being that committed playoff team, but they also want to make sure they're competing and keeping John Morant happy because he's very clearly the future of the franchise. For Keith Smith, I'm Joe Mullinax. Make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart. However, you can get a podcast, you can get the Grizzly Bear Blues Live podcast as well as every podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network, uh, Core 4, 3 and D, the starting five. It's all good, uh, along with the flagship show, the one that's been around for, goodness gracious, Keith, seven years now, Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Make sure you're checking us out and all of the great content over at grizzlybearblues.com. For Keith, I'm GBB site manager Joe Mullinax. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.